In the beginning, the sun was Eloah. The son of El was both with El, and the son of El was Eloah. Shabbat Shalom from Under the Dome. My name is Noel, and this is the Diaspora of Yasharel. I'm once again joined by Rob and Michael. They are joining us from Florida this week, and um, I hear that they had a there was a Rob and Michael uh, meetup today somewhere in Florida. And of course, I'm coming to you from Charleston, South Carolina today. Now, this is the Diaspora of Yasharel. I've, I've said this a few times in the past. I'll just go ahead and bring it up again. This is a um, uh, a Torah pursuant messianic community. Uh, we believe that salvation comes through Israel alone uh, and that we are grafted into Israel. We are the sons of Israel. Uh, the, the, the Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament is our complete story from beginning to end. And uh, our theme verse, of course, is here at the Unexpected Cosmology is Revelation 14, 12, which tells us that uh, those who are written in the book of life, the, the Perseverance of the saints are those who are uh, who keep the Father's commands, but also the testimony of Yahusha. And so that's what we hope to do. Hope to keep the testimony of Yahusha and be obedient to the Father. So tonight we will be talking, um, continuing our series on the Hebrew Gospel of Yochanan, or John, chapter 15. And then in the second hour, we will be doing, I believe, two chapters in Hebrew Revelation. So I'm excited this week. There should be some really good um, content this week. And we are going to begin in prayer. Bob has um, volunteered to pray for us. Bob, would you like to pray and open up? Can you hear me? I can hear you. It's very faint. Uh, how about, is that better? That's better. Okay. Uh, thank you for letting me do the prayer. I'm going to do the Lord's Prayer. So uh, please put your hands together and uh, I'll begin. Dear Lord, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespass as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you, Bob. That was wonderful. All right. I'm going to be handing it over to Rob, and he's going to be reading from uh, Yochanan, or John, the Gospel of John, chapter 15. All right, I will begin. I will read all of chapter 15, and we'll do our re review, and then we'll move on to the next hour uh, into Revelation. Yochanan, chapter 15. I am the true vine, and my father is the plowman, and he casts out every branch that does not bear fruit. But every one which does bear fruit in him, he cleans it in order that it should bear fruit to abundance. You are already clean because of the words which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch is not able to make fruit of itself, except it abides in the stem, so you are not able to make fruit, except you abide in me. I am the stem, and you are the branches who abide in me, and I in him. It is he who bears much fruit, 
for you are not able to do anything without me. If one does not abide in me, he is sent outside like the branch, and it dries out. Then they gather it and keep it in the fire, and it burns. If you abide in me and keep my words in you, anything, even the thing which you will desire and ask, you will obtain for yourselves. In this, my Father is glorified and exalted, that you bear much fruit and make Talmudim. As the Father loves me, so I love you. And these things which I have said to you must abide, in order that my joy may be in you, and your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that there must be love among you, as I love you. There is no greater love in man than this, that he give his nefesh for those who love him. If you do those words which I have spoken to you and commanded, I do not say that you will be servants, for the servant does not know what the Adon does. But I say to you, you will do those who, you will be those who love me. For all the words which I have spoken, my Father has spoken, and I have made them known to you. Now you have not, now you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and have appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide in order that the matter which you ask in my name, he may give to you. These things I command you, that you love one another. If the world is angry with you, you must know that it rejected me first. If you were of this world, the world would love whatever is his. But because you are not of this world, therefore they are angry with you. Remember my words which I spoke to you. A servant is not greater than his Adon. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they kept my commandments, they will keep yours. But all these things they will do to you because of my name. For they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and had not been speaking to them, they would not have had the sin. He who is angry with me is angry with my father. If I had not done things which no one else has done, it would not have been sin. But now they have seen and they are angry with me and my father, so that my word which is written in the law might be fulfilled to be finalized. And when Rakh HaKodesh will come, he will re he whom is, sorry, he whom I will send among you from the Father, the Ruach of Truth, which goes out from the Father, will do witness of me. Also, you will do witness because you were with me at the start. That is the end of chapter 15, and I will pass it over to Michael to start on his commentary notes, and we will circle it around to Noel and then myself. Shabbat shalom, everyone. Yes, we will uh, circle. Uh, Torah girl, you can't hear? 
Uh, maybe uh, Hank or somebody can help her with that. Um, before I get going, I just want you guys to know that I dropped today's readings in the diaspora of Yasharel chat room, which is right above general voice chat. So feel free to read along with us. Um, I'm going to start off my commentary on uh, verse one. Um, so if you guys have been with us this whole time, uh, in the very first study in John, I said um, that Yeshua had seven I am statements. Uh, if you recall, that was in the very first video. Um, this one is the last of these. So I'm going to read that real quick. Um, I am the true vine and my father is the plowman. Now I have a bunch on the true vine and the fruits. I love it. Um, I'm going to read two cross references relating to, to that to start. So Jeremiah 2.21. Yet I planted you as a choice vine, a completely faithful seed. How then have you turned yourself before me into degenerate shoots of foreign vine? And then the last one is Hosea 10, 1 through 2. Israel is a luxuriant vine. He produces fruit for himself. The more his fruit, the more altars he made. The richer his land, the better he made the memorial stones. Their heart is deceitful. Now they must suffer for their guilt. The Lord will break down their altars and destroy their memorials. So he's always linking fruit with obedience. Um a second uh, comment is number two. So I'm going to read the Hebrew again. Um, and he cast out every branch that does not bear fruit, but every one which does bear fruit in him, he cleans it, in order that it should bear fruit to abundance. Now, there's a big difference between the Greek and the Hebrew. I'm not going to read the Greek. Um, I did want to comment on, on number two. Let's see what I have here. So Hebrews 6, 7, for ground that drinks the rain which often falls on it produces vegetation useful to those sake it is also tilled receives a blessing from god but if it yields thorns and thistles it is worthless and close to being cursed and ends up being burned i mean this this has amazing allegories here so you know, if you remember the parable of the sowers wherever your seed is planted you know i remember i used to struggle with the thorns and the worries of this world and this it's it's this talking about your your fruit and um early in my torah walk you know like most people i was a torah terrorist my fruit was horrible you know, lord willing um i have two more and then i'll hand it off to Noel for this first part um number four i'm going to read both so abide in me and i in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine no more can ye, except ye abide in me. Hebrew, abide in me, and I in you, as the branch is not able to make fruit of itself, except it abides in the stem. That's one of the difference. So you are not able to make fruit, except you abide in me. So I want to. I did a word study on the word abide, and that's the same word in 1 John 3.24. We always love that one. The one who keeps his commandments remains in him. So that remains is the same word as the, and he in him. We know this by that he remains in us, by the Spirit who has given us. Uh, so number four in this verse doesn't say anything about keeping the commands. But, I'm, you know, in my opinion, so bearing fruit is one who keeps his commands. That's how you are remained or abide in him. Um, I read the differences. And then, let's see, the last thing is it cross-reference Isaiah 26. In the days to come, Jacob will take root, Israel will blossom and sprout, and they will fill the whole world with fruit. He wants us to be fruitful. And then finally, number seven. Um, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Um, in the Hebrew, if you abide in me and keep my words in you, anything, even the thing you will desire and ask, you will obtain for yourself. 
again, you know, we, we love this verse, right? We, anything you ask, he'll give it to you. You have to abide in him first, which is obeying his commands. Um, I just think the Hebrew makes it way more clear on that part. And then finally, so, you know, we just talked about all the vine and the vine dressers, you know, you know me and Noah, we love to go possible post mill. Um, John 15, one, two, three. That's okay. Okay. So yeah, we just read it, but I want to talk about number. Let's see. I don't see it here, but let's see. Where is this? I might have the wrong verse and I'm sorry about that, but basically let me just read it. So, or it might be a different version. I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. So we have the vine and the vine dresser. That's the father. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. So the father takes it away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it. The father does. So that it may bear more fruit. Okay, here it is. I'm sorry. My notes are all messed up. So James 5, 7. This is the possible post mill verse. Therefore, be patient, brothers and sisters, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer, which is the father, waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it until it gets the early and late rains. My dog in the race is that these different rains are different seasons when he plucks that fruit. Is it a possible post mill? I don't know, but uh, I'll leave it at that. Sorry for the mix up there. Uh, no, take it away. So there's, I wish in BibleBot here, I could drop in this verse. I'm unable to do that, but the Genesis Targum has a really interesting uh, context or idea about about the creation of trees that do not bear fruit. Fruit. So let me see if I can pull this up. And this is in verse. This is Genesis one thirty in the Targum, or maybe it's verse twenty nine. And Yahuwah said, "Behold." I have given you every herb whose seed seedeth upon the face of all the earth, and every unfruitful tree for the need of building and for burning, and the tree in which is fruit seeding after its kind, to you it shall be for food. And this is something that I bring up to my, my children all the time, that when they go out, you know, they, boys can be very destructive, and, you know, they'll... <laughs> They'll go out and, you know, like see a tree and want to like break the bark off or, you know, break branches off. And, you know, I've had this talk with them that if, if, if it's a tree that's bearing fruit, if it is a, uh, you know, useful tree, we don't tear this down. We respect it. But we see here in Genesis 1, 129-30 in the Targum, the idea that he actually created trees for burning. The first time I read that, I was like, you know, like, whoa, that's, that's crazy. Um, and, you know, we see this. This analogy, like Yah created the world in such a way that He created it for these analogies of salvation, you know. And um, either we're going to be a fruitful tree, and if not, we're going to be burned. We're going to be thrown in the fire. That's what we were created for. Another one that I really liked here, just going off of what you were talking, Michael, was Second Baruch. I'm not sure if I want to read this whole thing. It's not that long, but this is a. This is a really great passage on on what it is for Yahusha to be the vine. And one of the things he was pointing to when he said it was the vine. Now, I also want to throw out here that if if we are to, 
if we were to be his branches, okay, so if he's like the shoot, the branch, the, the vine, and we're his branches, that means we've got to be grafted in. And, you know, that's, that's whatever. Okay, so here we go. Second Baruch chapter 36. I'll go ahead and actually, I'm going to see if I can drop this in here. Second Baruch. Come on, Bible bot. Uh, chapter 36. See if it does it. No, it doesn't. Well, then that's fine. I'll just read it. Second Baruch. Let's do 36, 1 through... How many verses are in your 11? Nope. Okay. Here's what it says. And when I had said these things, I fell asleep there, and I saw a vision in the night, and lo, a forest of trees planted on the plain, and lofty and rugged rocky mountains surrounded it, and the forest occupied much space. And lo, over against it arose a vine. All right. So the, the context here is in this vision is it's a vine going up against an entire force of trees. And so think about one of the things Yahushua would have been referring himself to when he's talking about being the vine. And from under it, there went forth a fountain peacefully or with shalom. Now that fountain came to the forest and was stirred into great waves and those waves submerged that forest. And suddenly they rooted out the greater part of that forest and overthrew all the mountains, which were round about it. And the height of the forest began to be made low, and the top of the mountains was made low, and the fountain prevailed greatly, so that it left nothing of that great forest save only a cedar tree. So this, this vine and this, this fountain coming from the vine destroys this entire forest, and now all that's left is a cedar tree. Also, when it had cast it down and had destroyed and rooted out the greater part of that forest, so that nothing was left of it, nor could its place be recognized, then that vine began to come with the fountain in peace and great tranquility. Oh, wow, you got it up. Awesome. And it came to a place which was not far from that cedar, and they brought the cedar which had been cast down to it. And I'll give away the ending, guys. The cedar tree is Satan. And I beheld, and lo, that vine opened its mouth and spoke and said to that cedar, Are you not that cedar which was left of the forest of wickedness? So now we see this entire forest was wickedness. And by, though, and by whose means wickedness persisted and was wrought all those years and goodness never? And you did keep conquering that which was not yours. And to that which was yours, you did never show compassion. And you did keep extending your power over those who were far from you and those who drew nigh. You did hold fast in the toils of your wickedness, and you did uplift yourself always as one that could not be rooted out. But now your time has sped, and your heart is come, or your hour is come. Do also therefore depart, O cedar, after the forest which departed before you, and become dust with it. And let your ashes be mingled together, and now recline in anguish and rest in torment till your last time comes in, which, which you will come again and be tormented still more. That's, of course, a reference to Revelation 20, when Satan is tormented and then released a thousand years later for, for a short time. And one more verse. And after these things, I saw that cedar burning and the vine growing itself and all around it, and the plain full of unfading flowers. And I indeed awoke and arose. In a little while, I think I'm going to be talking about those flowers. But... Um, I thought I love this chapter. I've quoted from it before, and it's um, it's just it's telling us how Yahusha thinks of himself. Like when he's calling himself the vine, guys. Like we we think in terms of like grapes and wine and that kind of stuff. But I I see this as as threatening. Like he's threatening the enemy. 
in, in the kingdom of darkness. And he's saying, like, I'm the vine that's going to come and destroy this forest of wickedness. Keep in mind the unfruitful trees. I don't think any of these trees produce fruit. And he's going to go up to the cedar tree, uh, the Satan. And we see the prophecies, you know, when the kings of the earth are going to look at him and go, is this the guy? Like, this is the dude that we, uh, we followed. And he's been brought low to the dirt, to the dust. And he's being tormented. Like, this is it. Um, so, anyways, back to you, Rob. Awesome. Uh, I, I'm glad you brought up the uh, Baruch and that explanation. What I'm, I'm going to talk about the vine of truth and the vine of the earth. And I will use, I'm going to drop three images in and people can follow along uh, with it. So what I'm going to start with first is the, more or less the descriptions here. As we read John Yokinen, we see Yeshua is the vine of truth or a tree or in what we just read, it was referred to as a stem. Uh, and as you look up the, the, the Hebrew wording on that, it's, it's, it's meaning tree. The father is the plowman. And when it references clean, we will see here, clean means the fear of Yahuwah. And the branches are people in general, unless he's very specific on that branch, which you know I color-coded in blue, which are the disciples. And those are the ones that are bearing fruit. So, so I'm going to read through here some of the verses that tie in with this so you have clarity. Clean. When he's referencing, he's cleaning the vine. So in, in Psalms 19.9, the fear of Yahweh is clean and enduring forever. The judgments of Yahuwah are true. They are righteous altogether. And I know Michael was just talking about uh, fear of Yah tying in with the, the judgments and the commands of obedience in doing so. Also Proverbs 19.23, the fear of Yahweh leads to life so that one may sleep satisfied untouched by evil. And then we get look at Revelation 14.7 which we'll look at later as we go in the studies but here it says and he with a great voice <clears throat> fear Yahweh he said with a great voice, fear Yahweh and do your prayer to him for the judgment day has come and do prayer to him who created the heavens and the earth and the sea. So we see here uh, the fear of Yahweh is clean and it endures forever. So so that's I wanted to give that as the, uh, the backdrop of what, what we're going to read here next in regards to. John. So when we look at John again in verses 1 through 8, talking about the vine of truth, you know, the branches do not bear fruit are removed. The branches that do bear fruit in him, he cleans in order that they should bear fruit abundantly. So that cleaning is the fear of the Lord. If one has fear of the Lord, the beginning of wisdom, it's uh, uh, walking out the law of obedience. I mean, we got all these tie-ins with the fear of the Lord and what that means. So if you understand these tie-ins, then you can tie, tie them all in together when he's making a statement, such as clean, uh, in this sense. You are already clean because of the words which I have spoken to you. So 
He's the word of Yah. Uh, he walks the living word. He walks the word out, Torah. So as we see here, he you know, he's cleaning. He's cleaning the he's cleaning the vine so that we can bear even more fruit. And uh, so I'll skim through this here, but uh, I wanted to point out also that if one does not abide in me, as he's stating here, if he does not abide in me, he is sent outside like the branch, and it dries out. Then they gather it and keep it in the fire, and it burns. If you abide in me and keep my words in you, anything, even the thing that you desire and ask, you will obtain for your son and the Father's glorified and exalted, that you bear much fruit and make Talmudim. So not only are we to be bearing fruit, you know, the fruits of the Spirit walking out, walking out the, the truth in life. But we're also to minister to others and making more fellow Talmudim. And that's the, that's the good part and an important part of our fellowship with one another. As we fellowship in groups or these gatherings and learning from one another, and we take that, that knowledge and apply it in our lives and walk that out, and when we do so, it's it's giving us our own strength, and then in turn we can share that, tell, and teach, and help others. And now I'm going to tie the vine of truth, what I just covered with John here, into the vine of the earth. We're going to see that in Revelation 14, 14 through 20. So here's the vine of the earth compared to the vine of truth. Then I saw a bright cloud, and on it there sat one with the appearance of a man. And on his head was a crown of gold, and in his hand was a sickle. And another messenger came from the house of prayer and cried with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, Thrust your sickle in, or thrust your sickle, and harvest, for the time of the harvest has come. And he who sat on the cloud thrust his sickle and harvested. And so, so you're seeing there's, there's this, the, this appearance of a man, this, this you know, we see as Yeshua, uh, uh, whether it's an angel or Yeshua, but it appears to be Yeshua, harvesting. So as we continue to read, we'll distinguish what, what that means. And another messenger came to the heaven. Came to the heavens? I guess that's what it says. And in his hands was a sickle. Then another messenger went out from the altar, and he had control over fire. So we see, we see two announcements being made here. And now the second one is being announced by the one who has control over fire. Interesting. And he cries out with a loud voice to him who had a sickle and said, Thrust your sickle and harvest the grapes of the earth, for its fruits are ripe. So the messenger th thrust his, with his sickle and harvested the grapes of the earth and cast them into the great winepress of fury of Yahweh. And the winepress was outside the city, and the blood of the winepress went up to the bridle of the horses. So we see that there's two harvests, two angels or two beings here doing some harvesting, and there are two different harvests, whether, whether we can get this into the early and latter rain that Michael's talking about. That I don't know, but we, we do see two harvests going on. We know from the other parables that he comes out for the, the wheat and he comes out for the tares. So it's just tying that in. So I wanted to show 
the vine of the earth, what that is, when it's referencing the vine of the earth, it's, it's, it's just the peoples of the earth who are not in faith, who are not uh, in obedience. They reject, they reject the truth. And then you have the vine of truth are those who love him and follow him, believe him, and uh, are obedient to him. So that's what I want to share on this first part. And then I'll pass it on over and go from there. Michael? Yes, sir. Um, my next part, I'm going to talk about some differences between the Greek and the Hebrew. So um, the obvious one, I hope you guys are reading along, is uh, number 10 is missing from the Hebrew gospel. Um, so I'm going to read uh, 10 in the Greek, and it's, you know, it's pretty important. I, w I wonder why they took it out in the Hebrew, and I'm hoping Noel or Rob can talk more on that. But if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abided his love. You know, I guess you can say they somewhat spoke about it on number six, but to be totally missing, and yet the Greek adds it, you know, that's a, you know, we're doing plus minuses for each version. I would say that's a plus for the Greek on that part. Um, uh, number 13, so this one, let's see, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. In the Hebrew, it says, there is no greater love in man than this, that he give his nefesh for those who love him. So I want to talk about that there's no mention of friends in verse 13, 14, and 15. Um, I, I, again, I would, I would give more points to the Greek version because I would say that makes it less Hebrew because I know Abraham, Moses, and Joshua were referred to as friends of the Most High. Um, I also want to, regarding 13, I want to talk about laying down your life um, and reading Romans 5, 6 through 8. So for, for a while, we were still helpless at the right time. Yeshua died for the ungodly, for one will hardly die for a righteous person, though perhaps for the good person someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his love towards us, in that while we were still sinners, he died for us. So, so we've been talking about over the last few weeks about serving others, and, and you know, I know the Bible says that this is the, you know, the ultimate sacrifice, is laying down your life for someone, and that's what our Messiah did, did for us to become our high priest. Um, number 16, I want to read the Hebrew on that one. Let's see. Now, that, now you have not chosen me, but I've chosen you and have appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide in order that the matter which you ask in my name, he may give you. Um, a, a simple cross-reference, you know, I'm going right back to the fruits of the Spirit. five. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. I want to stress I want to stress that someone's fruits are internal. Like I, I you know, doing the, the Ruach study and, you know, I talk about this a lot with others and like, I just want to, like your fruit is always internal, spiritually speaking, obviously. Um, works are, are different. You can have great works too, but the, the fruits, anytime we're talking about fruits, it's always an internal thing. It's, it's, a, it's a circumcision of your heart. And all those things I listed are internal. Um, finally, uh, number 25, I want to read both. So, but this cometh to pass that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. And in the Hebrew, so that my word which is written in the law might be fulfilled or to be finalized. Again, I, I, I'm giving more points to the Greek side, the Greek version, this, this go around. Um, not hating me without a cause is not in the Hebrew. 
Um, to me, this appears to be quoting Psalm 69, 4. Those who hate me without a cause are more than the hairs of my head. Those who would destroy me are powerful. Those who oppose me with lies, what I did not steal, I then have to restore. Again, you know, what, the point of the study is to go through the differences, and I'm trying to remain unbiased. And at least in John chapter 15, I would say the Greek might, might have done a better job. Um, and then finally, and I'll hand it off to Noel, I just want to point out number 26, again, doesn't mention comforter. And it just, that just, you know, irks me as someone who <laughs> links that to wisdom a lot. But uh, Hebrew just, just calls it the real kakadosh, the set-apart spirit, where the where the Greek just says comforter. Um, that's all I got for 15. I'll hand it off to Nolna. I was looking at a lot of those verses you were looking at, and so here's, here's my thought. I'll, I'll give commentary on a couple of them. Here's my thought on verse 10. So as a refresher for everyone, verse 10 of the Greek is uh, there. It's missing in the Hebrew completely gone. It's not even made up for later on. And it says this, if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. All right. Now, this is uh, a further explanation of what we've already read in verse nine. It says, as the father hath loved me, so I loved you. Continue ye in my love. Or as the Hebrew says, as the father loves me, so I love you. And so uh, I do, uh, I agree uh, that Verse 10 is sorely missing from the Hebrew because it is a phenomenal verse in the Greek. Again, it says, if ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love. Like there's, there's a, it, it, it's, it's not a threat, but it's a, it's a condition. Like I, you will abide in my love. Just keep my commands. If you don't keep my commands, don't expect to abide in my love. And it's a, if we, and he says, even as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. Well, it, Here's here's my thing, and I, I we've read enough through the the Hebrew Gospel of John for me to come to the conclusion that I don't think the Greeks added that in. Um, it, it, I don't think it's a footnote. I don't think it's a footnote to verse nine that they're saying. Well, this is really what it means because what we have seen constantly is when it comes to being obedient to the law, we see the Greek actually downplay it more than anything. And so my conclusion on this is that. It's strangely missing from this document and keep from this Hebrew document. That doesn't mean that it wasn't originally in the Hebrew. Keep in mind, this is not an uncommon phenomena by any means, right? This is one of the problems when we're dealing with one single Hebrew document. We don't have 12 of them or 15 of them or a hundred of them at our disposal. We have one. And, you know, when they're, when we're dealing with, say, the Texas Receptus, that's the Greek New Testament, um, or the, or the Sinaiticus, uh, which is the other Greek New Testament, we have uh, many documents that, well, particularly with the Texas Receptus, I, we have dozens, maybe hundreds. I don't know how many they have that they have combined together to make it. Um, and there will be variations between them. When we see... Um, you know, when we see people pulling in like the, the Book of Enoch or uh, Jubilees or some of these others, they see little variations where like a verse is missing here or there. And, and for whatever reason, that just happens. I, I think that we have this illusion that these scribes are, 
you know, it was this supernatural transfer of the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKadosh, that was making sure that every single word was getting transcribed perfectly onto the text. And I think the fact of the matter is that these are just people like you and me who screw this thing, screw this stuff up once in a while. And, you know, as we would, as I do all the time when just transferring things on a computer or whatever, that's, that's my thought on that. Um, when it comes to ye are my friends, uh, that is strangely, that is there in the Greek, it's strangely missing from the Hebrew. Um, yeah, I, I can see that, but it's, it's, I mean, what is a friend, right? A friend is someone who, um, uh, who loves you, right? And so I think that the, I still see the context as the same as, um, you know, giving your life for someone who, who loves you. And I would give, I would give my life for my family, my wife, my children, and, you know, those who are in my family. But I, I, I don't know if I would be as willing to give my life for somebody down the street who is, you know, has no love whatsoever for the truth. So, um, anyways, th that's my thought on that. I do want to jump back to verse 7 because this is something that I think we need to spend some time discussing. It says that uh, this is this is hotly debated in the church, in the Torah community, the religious community, period. It says, if you abide in me and keep my words in you, anything, even the thing you will desire and ask, you will obtain for yourselves. Now, I was reading from the Hebrew. Uh, but it's it's pretty much the same in the Greek, and this is probably one of the most um, people see this verse abused a lot. Um, they feel they've. I have spoken with people recently who have come out of congregations who they were using this. Um, I, I I spoke with one lady, um, young woman, who she feels. Um, uh, really hurt by this because she came out of a church where there was a guy, I guess, supposedly dying of cancer. And they were pushing in this congregation, the elders, this verse that uh, we need to have enough faith to make this guy uh, be completely healed. And lo and behold, he died. And the response was, well, we didn't have enough faith. You didn't have enough faith. And the people in the congregation, and this happens everywhere. This happens all across the board. And the people in the congregation were like, what do you mean I didn't have enough faith? Like they were, they were making it like it's their fault. Not the elder board's fault, but it was their fault. Because they didn't have enough faith, this person died. And, and this is where I think we really uh, get this confused. And it was Josh in this group who was actually recording this tonight. Who I'm giving him credit for this. He brought this up several months ago. And I've repeated it a few times since. It, it was really... Excellent. And so when we're looking at the teachings of Yahushua, we need to recognize that all the pieces fit together. You can't just take something out of context. You need to look at it and say, and look at several other things he said and kind of blend, the, blend them together. And one of the things he said was that the meek will inherit the earth. And we did a little study on the word meek and what, what a meek person is. And the, the best way to describe a meek person is, uh, like he said, and I agree with him, is a war horse. All right. So if you guys can imagine yourselves in battle, you're going out to battle and um, you want that horse to respond to your commands. You, you even see in like literature, uh, this romanticized idea of horses who don't even have armor or reins on. And the person, the rider and the horse have such a bond, a relationship that, you know, he can wear, he or she can ride the horse 
uh, bareback and just, you know, with their legs, you know, kind of move and that the horse responds with them. And so this is what a meek person is. A meek person is someone who could charge into battle and be ferocious, but they're always going by the commands of their master. And so if we are a horse and we are saying we want Yahuwah the Most High to use us as a vessel, or even, or even to be on the side of the angels. Let's imagine a scenario where, like, an angel, like a guardian angel, or something is riding us, or, or whatever. Like, do you think Yahuwah wants to use a warhorse that is going to respond to him, or that's just going to go charging off and doing their thing? And so, we need to know when to hold back and when to charge into battle. And this is why we need to. This is why it's so important that we recognize. When we pray, the Lord's Prayer, Bob opened up with the Lord's Prayer tonight, uh, that we are praying that his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So in my prayer life, um, I, I, I tend to pray for things that uh, Yah puts on my heart. If Yahuwah puts something on my heart, I pray for it. And he does it in any number of ways. And I think we all have uh, ways he communicates with us that we hopefully you can realize, I think Yahuwah is putting, the Father is putting this person on my heart. I should pray for this person. And I, and I have found this, that when I pray for things, like it's been crazy recently, guys, in the last year. When I pray for things, he answers it. It's amazing. I mean, I'll give you an example. This this may seem completely selfish. I don't know. I, I don't just go out praying for like, you know, people to be like, you know, bowing down as I walk by. All right. But I was driving up to North Carolina last Monday to, to Ikea. I had to drive 200 miles north to Ikea to, uh, to buy. We're nesting. We're getting ready for another baby to enter our family. And I wanted to buy my sons a bunk bed so we could make more room in the room. And I'm remodeling their entire room this week. And so I drove up to Ikea to get a bunk bed. And the entire drive, it was raining, just dark and raining. And I'm like, this is never going to work because I got to put that uh, box. You know, you got to build your own equipment, your furniture at Ikea. I had to put that box. There's two boxes in the back of my truck. And it's going to get ruined. I mean, it's going to, the boxes are going to get soggy and the, the wood is going to get ruined. And I'm like, well, you know what? I'm going to go in there and buy it anyways and, and drive it back. I get to Ikea, it's still raining. I sit down for lunch, it's still raining. I sit there by the window and I pray, I pray um, to the most high, just give me sun, you know, clear the storm. I need sun. I need to go home. Uh, but your will be done. But, you know, just get rid of this rain for me. And I tell you, I walked out. The clouds parted. It was sunlight. It was amazing. Not a drop of rain the entire trip home. And these are things that just repeatedly happen, but they're, they're things that I feel y'all putting them on my heart to begin with to pray for. Um, a good example is, let me just put this in here. Proverbs uh, 28.9. We see this, this. We've quoted from this many times in this group. According to Proverbs 28.9, he who turns away his ear from hearing the Torah, even his prayer, is an abomination. And so, again, the context is, if you abide in his love, you are following his father's commands, just as he follows his father's commands. And because anything Yahushua requests of his father, his father will do for him, because he's in the will of his father, if we are in the will of our father, which is being obedient to what he says to be obedient to, 
he will, our prayers will not be an abomination and he will listen to us. Let me give one more example because I don't want to ramble all night. We see this example uh, all across the board with Torah. There are many people coming into Torah obedience who are incapable of having children. They've been married for years. They can't have any children. And all of a sudden, they start being obedient to their father's commands. They start eating clean, start obeying Sabbath, start doing his commands, walking them out. And all of a sudden, boom, they start popping out babies left and right. And it's amazing. It's the same, it's the same story with my wife and I. We have been married for 20 years. Now, we do have uh, two... Uh, we have twin boys. They are gifts from Yah. They're wonderful. But they did not come without intervention. We tried for several years to have children. We could have no children whatsoever. I was told by doctors that I was incapable of having children. And we had to use medical intervention um, to, to be able to have these children. So that was eight years ago now. And we would have, my wife and I would have 10 kids if we could, cho- excuse me, children. We would have, I would, I would love a household of just like children, like popping out the windows, you know, like, like the little lady with the shoe and the children are pop, you know, breaking windows and like running around, destroying the garden, you know, breaking furniture like that. I wish I lived in that house. I, I want that many children. I'm at, we've been incapable. And my wife and I have just decided we've done nothing to stop having kids. Um, we've done nothing to try to have kids. We just, done nothing to stop having kids and we thought it was never going to happen and uh this last year i felt yah putting on me to pray for my body to be healed and i just started praying that he the most high would heal my body and make it make it possible for me to have children and then boom is this answer to prayer here we are, we're getting ready to, we're nesting and we're getting, my wife is in her second trimester. We're getting ready to bring another child in the world. I'm a middle-aged guy, never saw this coming, uh, but this is a true gift from the Most High. And this is what happens when um, we are, when we tr- pursue his will. So um, hopefully, yeah, I'm going to pass it back to you, Rob. All right, great. Thank you. Thank you. That was, I, I really like what you said there, Noel, and talking about uh, verse seven, and maybe uh, I'll, I'll pass it on to Michael, or if he wants to jump in with his comment on, on that. But as you were saying, I'm looking at the verse right, right above uh, verse five here. You are the branches who abide in me, and I in him. It is he who bears much fruit. For you are not able to do anything without me. So our prayers, if we are abiding in him, our prayers will be heard from him. And our desires will be, you know, at, be, be requested. You know, we'll, we'll ask, ask for those. So I, I totally agree. It's, it's just a matter of, A, is it his will? You know, obviously, if, if he does not answer what, what we request is his will because there's something bigger at play. Those things I do consider uh, and understand. Michael, did you have anything to add before I continue on verse 7? I mean, I'll just reiterate it again real quick. um, That abiding is the same word as remaining in him. And uh, 1 John 3, 4 says that the one who keeps his commands remains in him. Um, And then those who abide in him bear fruit. It's the same thing. They They all go together. So that's what I got for that one. All right, perfect. I'll, I'll continue here. Um, all I'm going to do now is uh, more or less share on the next 
part of John, and I will I'll drop this also in for people to follow along if they want to. And this is the the next part of John on. Uh, I'm going to read quickly here through John 15 and pick out a few verses from from the part of it. As the Father loves me, I love you. You must abide, so my love is in you, and my commandment. There must be love among you, as I love you. There is no greater love in man than to give his nefesh for those who love him. We're just reading about that, that the Greek says, uh, the friend. Is it friend? Okay, yeah, for his friends. And here it's uh he gives his nefesh for those who love him. And as Noel mentioned, the friends are those that love you. And I would also say that you know the ones that love you are the ones that are those close to you that know you that have some type of uh, intimacy with you, but we do know that you can also love others outside of them that you may not know very well. All right, and let me finish here. Sorry, I'm I'm working remotely on my, my laptop. I normally have my set up at home. So. All right. And so the last thing on, on this I wanted to point out, these are the positive things. You know, abiding in him and in it and whatever you ask in his name, he will give to you. So here's the positive things on the, on this particular verses, you know, 59 to 13 and 16 to 17. So then I, I wanted to pull up the second part where you have John 8, 15, 18 to 27. Now it's going to talk about the world rejecting you as it is as it rejected Yeshua. You are not of this world. And that's that's something that people mainstream, the majority of people don't I don't even know if they quite understand or they get it or they even see this, that they are not of this world. Once we once we come to the faith and knowledge of Yeshua. And we start walking in that. We are no longer walking in this world. We we are in a, a we now have have that promise that residence up in up in the heavenlies. So we have to think that way too and operate that and abide in Him. So so we're going to expect the rejection. We're going to expect the persecution. We're going to expect all of those things that are going to be coming upon us as it was for our Messiah. And lastly, lastly, Yeshua fulfilled what was written in the law. The rock of truth, the rock HaKodesh, is among us for us to do witness of Yeshua. So that is the, the, the truth that we have in us is for, is for us to go out in this world to share what we understand, what we know, and walk out our faith. So uh, that, was, that was more or less on what I wanted to do here. I wanted to color code this. I hope it's helpful uh, for people to see and grasp and look, look at the keys of what's being said in here. So that's all I'm going to share on this, and then I'll pass it over to Michael for 
Um, any last follow follow uh, commentary? Um, I'm all done with John, so I'll hand it off to Noel. I I wanted to talk a little bit about the idea that the world is angry uh, with us because they reject Yahusha, and a lot of us we've you know I I never felt rejected by anyone until I actually pursued our father's commands. And, you know, I, I, what I, I don't, I, I hope that I'm not coming across anyone as a Torah terrorist. You know, we talk about Torah terrorism and how, you know, that puts a bad state on the Bible and that, that sort of stuff. But the thing is, is that, the, the, we have to come to the, the, the recognition that the light is hateful to the darkness. The darkness does not recognize or understand the light. And for many of us, the world keeps getting darker. Um, and I, that, in a lot of ways, that's a good thing. We need to recognize that's a good thing because if the world is getting darker, it's because we're more in the light. We're getting closer to the light. And, you know, we did it. I think that we never recognized how truly dark the world was. When we were in it, and I, this is, we've been talking a lot about this recently as the administrative group, and you know how we approach people, how we talk to people, and we see many married couples, of course, where you know one spouse is uh, pursuing Torah and the other isn't, and you know this is. It's it's really tough, but um, I mean, I could say in my own life that again, I don't even know really where I'm going with this, but I I want to get out that that the world's we, we see so much how the world truly does reject uh, the father, and here it's a little inverted because here Yahusha says that you know they reject me. But the, the, it, it's almost it's inverted today in almost an Orwellian sense, where it's like the church claims they're embracing Jesus and they're rejecting the Father's laws. But here it's 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 like well no they're actually they're they're holding up a false image of Jesus because when we claim that Yahusha is Torah observant and that we are walking as he walked. Um, I have I have never experienced so much hate in my life, where people who I once broke bread with and and you know was in fellowship with they won't they, they'll never want to talk to me ever again. Um, so that that's how I mean I look at this verse in verse nineteen and I, I look back at my life and I think how much of the in the world I truly was before I came to this because again I never saw that hate or opposition until I do now and. You know, when it comes to like my family and friends, I never once ever got in a uh, argument with them. I never accused them of anything. But I mean, the moment, the moment I came over to Torah, um, I started. People found out that I started keeping the feast and that I'm doing Saturday Sabbath and I'm no longer eating pork. Let me back up. When, when I was, um, when I was living in California, Southern California. And I wasn't eating meat for years. I was a vegetarian. Um, and then I, I went through a phase where I would eat uh, not non-mammal. Non so I would eat like chicken or fish. Uh, but I wouldn't eat uh, like 
beef or anything like that. And they were all cool with it. They're like, oh, you're a vegetarian. Like that's so, you know, that's so hipster. That's so, you know, Southern Californian, you know, and, and trendy and that kind of stuff. But it's it's very different when they find out that wait, you're doing this for Yahuwah. Like you're you're in slavery now. You're in bondage. You need to repent of this, right? And the moment I came over, it was all of a sudden I'm getting calls and and other things that I'm going to hell, and that you know I'm spitting on the cross, and um, that you know I I'm in some cults and you know it goes I I can get you know. Um, go a little further with how that went, but it was it was shocking, and so this is just something that we need to remind ourselves that, um, you know, l- let's not cast pearl before swine. Let's not go argue with people. Let's not try to force a, um, uh, you know, a round shape into a you know square peg or however that goes. Let's not try to force people into something where they're not willing, but just show them. You know, live it out and show them. And, you know, often enough, that is enough just to, to set people off and trigger people. Just how we live for the Most High by trying to be set apart from the world, right? And that's where we realize the people that are still in the world and those that aren't. That's kind of how, all I had on this. And Rob, Michael, do you have anything else that you wanted to add? Yeah, I, I want to just add to what you're saying there with the, the anger and and misunderstanding or uh, not even that just the anger uh in that sense i i've received some not a whole lot it was more like you were saying oh you are you in a cult are you you know the, the questioning uh, that that comes up and comes with it but i think if if you if you handle it in love and patience and and that's the biggest challenge is when you come to this this knowledge and understanding, it depends. Did when you when you actually when your eyes are actually opened and you realize that this is this is the truth, this is what the scriptures are saying, you get angry from what you had known before and you may act upon that. And and, and I see a lot of people do that, you know, that they, they're so frustrated and angry with their prior walk because they felt like they were deceived and, and so forth. So, yeah, yeah, there's that, but it's also you know you get passionate about, um, you get passionate about wanting people to to see this, see what you see. Now yeah. in my now in my position, I the father woke me up before I came to Torah. I, I woke up a few years before coming to it, and it was a gradual process leading to it. And so I already burned a lot of bridges. Uh, <laughs> telling about like nine eleven truth and flat earth and you know yeah. different things like that and so by the time I got to Torah I had already grown accustomed to this idea of walking something out that uh, the rest of the world wasn't willing to partake in so I I personally did not feel that need to just go beat people down with it right. um, but you know I, I see that where a lot of people they they do yeah and and they do it out of a passion of of wanting, truly wanting other people to yeah. uh, to see what they see and and have that choice, and I get that. But this is where we just want to be careful not to throw pearls before swine, right? And have them trample over the truth and and um, and just mock it and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think there's a, a, a somewhat of a learning curve for people, and some take way longer than others. But it's it, it's that point where you realize you are sharing that truth. And hopefully you examine 
the, the responses you're getting? Are you getting positive responses, or or is it just causing strife, contention, and you know arguments? And then you have to make a wise decision: is this a person that is is open, or are you presenting it the proper way? Are you the light in the situation, or are you just a uh, you know a, a clanging bell uh, with the information? My favorite, uh, my my favorite oddity that people throw my way is people they still come up to me when they find out find out that I'm tour pursuant. They say, "What you don't." you don't believe baby Jesus was born anymore? And I, I never know how to answer to them. I'm like, like, yeah, I believe baby Jesus was born, but they, I don't know. Uh, Ron, it looks like you have some comments. Do you have yeah. anything you want to add? Yes. Yeah. I had a few things. So um, listening to you, when you, you were talking about your experience and how uh, the moment people heard that you uh, became Torah observant, they, they look at you like, you're a slave so just fyi that in verse 15 in hebrew uh, yeshua is actually using the word slave not servant those are two different words in hebrew uh, in biblical hebrew so kind of like uh, i noticed it and i wasn't going to say anything but then you were talking about your personal experience so i couldn't help it <laughs> No, that was that was that was good, and I don't want to interrupt anything else you want to say. But uh, mm -hmm. while you say, said that, I want to jump in that you, we have no choice but to be a slave. We are either a slave to the world or a slave to the Most High. We are a slave to sin or a slave to uh, righteousness, and so uh, we have no choice but to be a slave. That's just that's just the rules. We cannot mm -hmm. do that. Yeah. So I had just a couple of uh, uh, more. Uh, insight so i'm i'm noticing as we are reading because i keep reading the hebrew manuscript while you're reading the english just to compare and i'm noticing the a, a couple of uh, patterns number one that um i i shared last week that he's not saying uh, a holy spirit he's saying spirit of holiness but i noticed that he's uh, using spirit of holiness and spirit of truth uh um how do you say it like intermittently like yeah, he, interchangeably interchangeably yeah like he's he he it's like this, uh, two terms for the same thing. Um, and the second thing is he keeps referring to it as masculine, which is very interesting because Ruach uh, in Hebrew is feminine. So that's kind of like um, caught my attention also. You're talking, about uh, in, in, you're talking about in the English, right? That in the English, he's translating it as he? No. No, in Hebrew, Yeshua really? refers to Ruach HaKodesh as a masculine all the really? time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then... Um, How would you change it from uh, feminine to Hebrew? In, in, in feminine, feminine to masculine in Hebrew? So it depends on the verb that he's using. Uh, but usually there will be tough, the, the last... Um, so, for example, if he says, um, 
רוח הקודש uh, is moving, okay? Then um, in masculine it would be over, in, in feminine it would be over it, like there is tough at the end of the verb, the, the last letter in the alphabet. Um, so it, it's definitely different and and I'm reading the verses whenever he needs to use um, a feminine um, whenever he needs to use that type of uh, verb or adjective he, he uses feminine but for Ruach HaKodesh he keeps referring to it as masculine then um, also verse 26 The, 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 the literal translation is a little bit different than what they translated and I think it's uh, meaningful so I would like to tell you what it says. So in the English translation uh, they said and when Ruach HaKodesh will come out, um, I, I'm sorry, and when Ruach HaKodesh will come, he whom I will send among you from the Father the Ruach of Truth, which goes out from the Father, he will do witness of me. Also, you will do witness because you were with me at the start. Um, so the literal translation is, and when Ruach HaKodesh will come out, which I will send in you from the Father. So it's different. It's different. He's saying he's sending, Yeshua is sending Ruach HaKodesh from the Father into us. Um, so I, I thought that's meaningful. And I've appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. Um, what he was saying is, that's so interesting. He wasn't saying, using the word chosen. He said, I ha have breathed, like from the word breath. I've breathed, breath, I, like I breathe you so that you should go and bear fruit. Like, Like the same word that was used when um, God uh, breathed his, um, like pre uh, breathed into Adam, you know, when he created Adam and he... Uh, he breathed? He breathed? Um, like B-R-E-A-T-H, breath. Yeah, he breathed breath into him, yeah. Yes, so that's what he's saying, like yeah, I... I breathe in you, so you should go and bear fruit. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that, that's so, such a powerful word. I wanted you to be aware that that's what he's saying. Hmm. That's, an that's an interesting point yeah. because we, we know and that in Revelation, it talks about, you know, we'll have uh, the names written on us, uh, written upon us. And if he's doing this also, it definitely has a deeper meaning. Yeah, and um, I just want to say that breath, um, in, so when God breathed into Adam, he breathed his ruach, okay? So he keeps using the word ruach, ruach HaKodesh, ruach of truth, and then he's saying uh, the word breath. So it all 
um, comes together. Yeah, we've now, seen it. Go ahead. Yeah, real quick. Uh, we've seen before also in Yochanan when we were reading about Yeshua and the, the, the Ruach is that he does mention that, you know, he, he breathes upon the others for the Ruach to, to enter them and to be upon them. So we do see this, this action that Yeshua has or can do is bestowing or breathing upon others with the Ruach HaKodesh. We've seen that scripture. We also see it come down and call it down upon on them. So I've seen two versions of, of Yeshua uh, bringing the, the Ruach upon or in people. Now, yeah. and, uh, okay. Well, no, go ahead and finish your thought. Okay, so just two more small things. Um, uh, they translated stem, but really the word is tree. That's that's the word that is being that is using tree. Okay, um, and then. Um, I'm sorry. Okay, go ahead, Noel. There was one more thing I want to say, and I forgot. But so that's okay. So help me understand this uh, with the Ruach, because this has my interest. Is would you say that the Ruach Hakodesh is different than the the Ruach of Truth, or is it just a different way of saying the same thing? It's a different way of saying the same thing. So when, um, like, I feel like what he's saying when he calls it Ruach Hakodesh, it's the Ruach that he is breathing into us, his disciples. And then, but it's basically it comes out from the Father as Ruach of Truth. And when he breathes it into us, it's Ruach Kodesh. Hmm. Okay. All right. So he's saying that because you said that he, uh, that he said that he, being Yahusha, that he was going to breathe the Spirit in, correct? Yes. Yes. But he says it comes from my Father. But I will breathe it in you, okay. into you, yeah. And then the, uh, now I remember what I want to say. Um, throughout the chapter, when he's using the word "fruit," he is meaning students. Basically, for him, uh, us being obedient and following him. The fruit that we bear is what you three are doing. You are basically making students for Yeshua. That's, these are the fruits from his perspective that we make new students for him. Talmidim. Well, my hope um, is that when I finally make it into the kingdom, well, you know, when I get to the entrance of the kingdom, whether the kingdom comes to me or I, I go to the kingdom, is that um, that it would be a total tragedy for to hear uh, Yahusha or one of the twelve disciples that uh, that judge Israel, whoever, to gives me the bad news to say you had rots and fruit, you're not coming in the kingdom, and you know I I'm going to be on my face and just hope that. You know, somebody gives me admittance into New Jerusalem. Um, that yeah, that is definitely my my hope that I am not wasting my life and that I am truly. Um, that is obviously you know my passion to get other people to the truth, um, as I seek it myself. So one last one last thing because I'm really curious about. 
about the Ruach HaKodesh, and maybe Rob, you could always jump in, or Michael, but did you see, is it is it all through the Gospel of Yochanan as you've been reading it, that the, the Ruach HaKodesh is masculine, or do you see feminine and then masculine? No. Every single time it's masculine. Every single time. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Thank I find, you. I, yeah, I do find that very interesting uh, that the Hebrew is doing it with in the masculine, and it it it's it makes me wonder: uh, is it because he's using masculine terms because it is coming, it it is being brought forth from or through him, and perhaps that's why he's referencing uh, masculine. Uh, is what I'm proposing is how I would interpret that. Yeah, I'm not proposing anything at this point. I'm just, um, uh, just, I'm just curious to kind of get the story straight on what's happening and mm-hmm. and and then figure that out. So, I I always love it when I encounter uh, challenges because you know Rob Michael and I have been on this this journey. Rob Michael of lot longer than me, but have been on this journey of the feminine uh, ruach hakodesh, and and I love it when I kind of brush you know kind of hit something that seems to oppose everything that's been leading up to that and when that happens it causes me to reevaluate and think things and and often um you know as as it's always been the 99 percent always outweighs the one percent but um in terms of research and in scripture but it it brings something new to light that i have never discovered before so i I do really appreciate you bringing that up Mm -hmm. um what, did anyone else want to say anything on this before we move on? Because we have two chapters of Revelation to get through, and I want to a lot of great content in Revelation tonight, even though there's shorter chapters. Does anyone have anything more on John? Okay. Well, then, uh, speak now, forever hold your peace. With that, we will be moving on. So let us go ahead and start with the Hebrew revelation and what's great is that i will be uh, uh scrubbing out my last introduction anyways because i think i call it the hebrew gospel of revelation but this is uh hebrew revelation or as i was explaining the confidential counsels of yahuwah or you could say yahusha uh the word revelation never appears in the hebrew document so i i love the word confidential confidential counsels way better and with that i'm going to be handing it over to michael and he will be reading chapter i believe we're on chapter four now 